Liberty Shirt Company is the perfect holiday season gift because of the awesome flannels and casual shirts that we love to wear around no matter the season. But they are not just shirts that college-age guys like us love to wear. They make shirts that your dad, uncle, and granddad will love too. Every shirt is custom, so it fits your liking. And what's not to love about a clothing company that actually makes their shirts in America instead of China like most brands? So if you're in the giving spirit, head over to libertyshirtco.com right now. And if you use the promo code 3P at checkout, you're going to save 10% on your order. And if you buy two shirts, you will get a free pair of suspenders. That's libertyshirtcode.com and the promo code is 3P. Hello and welcome back to another episode, episode 10 of the 3P podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Benazzo, and I'm joined along with Josh Fromowitz and Alex Castle. Well, boys, we got a lot to talk about today, a lot with the NFL, uh, just, you know, our weekly recap, uh, week eight recap, uh, see, you know, some teams like the Steelers undefeated still, only team left, some other teams starting to struggle, so we'll discuss them. Then it was a big week, it was not as, um, not a lot went down, but NFL trade deadline, talk more about that, and then discuss a little bit about our teams personally, and then to wrap it all up, our weekly stardom sit fantasy football segment. So let's just talk about the recap of the week, you know, what uh, went on in the NFL. And especially I want to talk about Pittsburgh because they look pretty legit. And I want to get your guys' opinion. Do you think Pittsburgh, the Steelers, are a contender for the Super Bowl? Or are they just going to get easy – get off easy in the regular season and then come playoffs, see, uh, you know, like a first round, second round exit. Josh, you have a point? Yeah. Um, I definitely think that they are the best team in football right now, but I could see why people are making the argument why that the Steelers have an easy schedule and they have an easy quest for 16 and 0 possibly just based on uh, the remaining strength of schedule that they have. But I look at this team, they, their defense is so talented. They shut down Lamar Jackson, last year's MVP. I had him in fantasy, and I was. it seemed like every single highlight that was coming up on my t- television was a negative play from Lamar, whether it was the multiple sacks or the multiple fumbles or the multiple interceptions that that defense caused. It's crazy. And I, I spoke to a lot of people who were, thought about benching the Steelers' defense because they're facing Lamar Jackson and that high-explosive offense. But immediately they regretted it because that defense showed up and came to play. And on the offensive uh, side of the ball, Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's not missed a step, even though he missed all of last year with an injury and he's now getting up there in age. He's making his receivers look good. James Connor's a good uh, running back in the backfields. But Eric Ebron is a very good tight end. But this team is a very solid team all around. So I definitely could see them contending down the road. Yeah, I mean, watching that defense stop Lamar was super impressive. I, Lamar, just I, I had red zone on, so it was just going from game to game. But every time they showed that, the Steelers were scoring. And then the Ravens, you know, they would come back. But, like, Lamar just really couldn't do anything with his legs. He, I believe, like one of their first plays on offense to start the game, Lamar threw that pick six. And they just, they do, they are playing hard. The only thing that concerns me a little bit is their offense. 
and it doesn't concern me, you know, mightily, but at times I feel like, not that they don't have enough playmakers, but they don't have that super explosive playmaker that they had in Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell. Um, and then obviously when those guys were on the Steelers, Big Ben was more in his prime and he was, you know, before his injury. So that's why part of me is a little nervous with like, I think they'll definitely go deep in the playoffs and I think they'll finish with a great record, but that's the only reason for concern I have for the Steelers. Alex, what are your thoughts on this? It was a fantastic division game, huge rivalry. The biggest thing that I got out of this game is that the steel curtain is in full effect. I mean, what a fantastic defense. You got to give Mike Tomlin a huge credit for what he's done with this team. I don't think he's talked about enough. Um, he's a fantastic coach. Um, also, I'm, I'm seeing a little regression from Lamar Jackson, honestly. You know, he's coming off a fantastic MVP season, an explosive player on the run. He's got a great arm and, and he's throwing two interceptions. He, he's fumbling. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's the play calling. I don't know if he's not utilizing the offense that he has, but I'm not seeing the Ravens team that I saw last year. And still got a solid record at five and two, but the way that I see it is if Lamar is struggling like this now, it's very concerning going into the playoff run. But overall, I got to give a lot of credit to Pittsburgh. I really like them going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, I wanted to touch upon your point about Lamar Jackson regressing. And I saw an interesting stat that Lamar Jackson is like 24 and one against all teams. And I think 0 and six against teams in meaningful games. So that counts playoffs and like the game. And then this past Sunday against the Steelers, because that was potentially for first place in that, uh, in that division at the time. And what it seems like the teams who have beaten Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are able to contain him in the pocket, which obviously you let Lamar Jackson get out of the pocket. He's running for a touchdown because he's one of the fastest guys in the field. But when you contain him in it and what the Steelers did containing him in that pocket forces a lot of turnovers and a lot of and, uh, inaccuracy throwing the football. And, I don't think a lot of people not talking about this, but this is a big loss when they lost Ronnie Stanley for the season, right? After yeah, torn ACL, I believe, right? Um, either that, it might have been an ankle injury. Either way, it was like a lower, you know, lower uh, leg injury. And I mean, first of all, they just signed him to that massive contract extension, but now you lose your best line and your best leader on the line because they already lost Marshall Yonda. He retired after last season, so you lost that veteran leadership. You lo you lose that, you know. He just was one of the best linemen in the league for many years. So you were already entering this season without him, and the, but you, you still had Ronnie Stanley. But now that he's gone, I mean, listen, they may still have a better line than some, but Ronnie Stanley was a huge part of that line. And then even Marquise Brown, Hollywood, he seemed a little bit upset after the game. Um, I, what did he say exactly? Something with, um, what's the point of having soldiers if you never use them? Yeah. So basically, he was like, you know, he considered, he considered himself a, a great player, a difference maker.
but what's the point of having me if you don't even target me or if I'm not even being used within the game plan? And you know what? I think that's a good point that he brings. You know, I don't think he's the best receiver in the league. I mean, he's still very young. He still has a lot of time to grow into that role. But he is a great player. And, I mean, he they did use the first-round draft pick on him last year to make big plays. And if he's not getting targeted, then who are they really targeting? You know, I do feel like he is the Ravens' biggest threat besides Lamar. Um, and if Lamar Jackson's not really utilizing him um, or targeting him, then not that's a waste, but it's like you got to rethink and re-kind of plan – your game plan going forward. And then last point, and Alex, you brought this up, um, just giving credit to Mike Tomlin. And I just want to say congratulations to Mike Tomlin. He now has the most wins for by an African-American head coach, and he passed Tony Dungy. And that is just very impressive stat. And you could just tell that what kind of leader he is, how great of a coach he is. I mean, he had a lot of high expectations replacing, you know, when he became their coach. and once he became the coach, that team has still remained a dynasty. Um, they won a Super Bowl with him. They appeared in other Super Bowls. They appeared many times in playoffs in the AFC Championship game. And even the past couple of seasons when it's been a little rough, losing guys like Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Big Ben to injury, he's still, you know, they're still competitive. And look at this year now. They're the only remaining undefeated team. So, like you said, hats off to him. Credit, you know. He deserves a lot of the credit, and congrats again for him um, having the most wins by an African-American head coach in the NFL. So lots of, lots to celebrate about in uh, the Steel City right now. And you know what? There's a lot to celebrate in Tampa Bay too. Um, I'm not going to lie. The Giants played them tough Monday night. But if you walk away with a win, that's just that's all you ask for. And, you know, the Buccaneers, they're in first place in that division, right? The Saints, they're, how many games are they uh, had? It's not by much, because I know the Saints have been on a winning streak. I believe it's one game. One game. But you know what, though? The past couple seasons, that was just the Saints' division to have. And now Brady's making that almost like a tie or possibly even the Buccaneers' division to lose. So... I just want to get your guys' thoughts on how you, if you like the Buccaneers, if you think, you know, if you're kind of like buying into them or, you know, just selling them, not thinking they're legit. And also, you got to remember, Antonio Brown, he's going to be playing now. I don't know how much of a factor he'll be, if he's still going to be that same guy he was last year and just years past when he used to be one of the top receivers in the league. Um, So... Alex, you know, they played your Giants, but overall, how have you liked their play? I, I still can't seem to figure out how I really feel about Tampa Bay. In the beginning, I was like, okay, they got Gronk, they're get, they got Brady, Fournette, Evans. They, they have a star-studded lineup on the offensive side of the ball. I'm expecting them to make big head waves. They got caught by the injury bug, so... That's definitely hurt them a little bit. Um, I got to say, though, the fact that they only beat my Giants by two 
a team like that should be winning a lot more. I mean, you look at that first half, the amount of missed passes that Brady had, the, the fact that we were shutting down their run game. I mean, you know, Tristan Wirfs, he's been playing good. I have liked him this season. I'm not denying that. But, you know, I'm just seeing some struggles with this team. You know, we were able to shut down the run game. We were able to limit Brady from getting touchdowns until the second half, I believe. I don't think he scored anything in the first half. I, the, fir- the first three times that they drove down the field were all field goals. When, when have you seen Tom Brady not put up anything in the first half? So I'm not crazy about them. I'm not sure what his relationship with, Aaron, with Bruce Arians is. I saw a lot of frustration from Brady when they were showing him off the field. Um, so I don't really know. Throwing Antonio Brown into the mix could make things better. Um, it could take pressure off Mike Evans. It could give Brady some more options in the passing game. I really don't know. I mean, Antonio Brown hasn't really played a full season since he was with the Steelers, right? That's the last time he played a full season was in Pittsburgh. So it's really tough to say the guys dealt with a lot off the field not justifying his actions, but he's dealt with a lot off the field, dealing with the league, with the paparazzi. So I don't know how much he's really dedicated into preparing. But what I will say is the fact that he made the effort to play with Brady and the fact that Brady made the effort to get him to Tampa, that's definitely something people got to watch out for. I definitely think they could be a dangerous duo, for sure. Yeah, I listen – it's going to be interesting, but even if Antonio Brown doesn't work out, and Brady still has Mike Evans, he still has Chris Godwin. If Godwin can stay healthy this year, so that's why it's like that's why like we were saying earlier. Um, OJ Howard, I forgot to mention him. I don't know what the deal with his health is. I think he's out for the season. I think he was healthy, and then he's out for the year. Yeah, oh. but when healthy, you know, he's not the best tight end, but he's a solid one. I mean, definitely. He was a solid backup to Gronk. And Gronk, I mean, his play has definitely um, gone up recently. I think he's kind of been able to now adjust better to the game. Because um, for those first couple of weeks, he seemed like it was tough for him to readjust back into playing since he took uh, last year, last season off for retirement. Josh, you know, what are your thoughts? What do you, what do you feel about them? Um. There's a lot to unpack, and Alex touched upon a lot of it. I, I personally am sold on the Buccaneers, though, because their offense, we know they're going to put up points. Yes, they might have struggled against the Giants, which shouldn't have happened, but they came back. That's what they do. That's what Tom Brady has done his whole career. No lead is safe against Tom Brady. One thing I do want to talk about, which doesn't really – get the recognition that it should is the defense. No one talks about their defense, and they are one of the best defenses in the league. They have had takeaways in every single game but the first one, and that was the game that they lost in New Orleans. They have 13, take, 13 or 14 takeaways this year in just seven, eight games already. That's crazy. This defense is I think top three right now in the NFL and pass defense They stop the run as good as any other. I don't see how many NFC teams could stop them. Yeah. The Seahawks are good, but their defense is terrible. You know, everyone knows the saying defense wins championships. 
So I wouldn't be shocked if it's a Buccaneer Steelers Super Bowl. I'd be a pretty good Super Bowl. And that defense is really good. And like you said, I don't think it gets the credit that they deserve deserve because that linebacking corpse they have with Devin White and Levante David. Levante David is playing some of the best football he's played his whole career. Yeah. And he's one of the best linebackers and no one talks about him. It seems oh, like. yeah. Without a doubt. Um, and he's just playing, it seems like, with a whole new, um, like, he's got a whole different, like, ethic and work ethic and a different kind of, like, passion. And not that he didn't before, but he's bringing this new energy. I don't know. They, he seems like he really wants it this year. And I think he realizes that they have a legitimate chance that they have a legitimate chance this year while maybe in the years past he knew that quarterback play was inconsistent and they were still missing some other pieces. So now that they have that quarterback situation solved, obviously we know all the weapons on offense. They've retooled the offensive line. And that defense is just, I mean, they got a couple. Antoine Winfield, the rookie, he's been falling out. And I don't think he's getting the credit either. On that team. Yeah, he's been a key part. I mean, he was all over the field. I mean, this whole season, but he was all over the field Monday night. And he was – he had that big stop for that two-point conversion that basically sealed the victory for them. So, I mean, I know I wanted the Bears to draft him in the second round, you know, for one of our picks. And, you know, we ended up taking Jalen Johnson, who I'm, you know, ecstatic with. Um, but I knew that whoever got Antoine Winfield was going to get a great player and was going to get a guy who was going to be a leader of someone's secondary, whether it was the Bears or whoever, and it ended up being the Buccaneers. So they got a lot of – and even a guy like Carlton Davis, their corner, he just keeps improving, it seems like, every single game. So they got a bright future. I mean, bright future – not long-term future because Brady, you know, is older now. But they have a real chance this year. Let's say even next year. Um, and if they can get Brady's replacement, who will actually not be Jameis Winston, then they, they could make their own little dynasty. And that's why – and you know what? Now this brings up this point with – when Brady first signed with Tampa Bay, it was – who had a bigger impact on who? Belichick on Brady or Brady on Belichick? I think it's starting to become pretty clear who had the bigger impact. I know my vote or my answer, but I want to hear your guys first. So, Josh, I know you were eager. Yeah, no, I think me and you are kind of in the same boat with this, where you are heading. And as a Jeff fan, it's definitely very painful to admit but just after seeing the way the year has played out so far, it's hard to not think that it's the Brady on Belichick, Belichick impact because Brady, uh, Belichick has openly said that, that that team has sold out for championships and they're going nowhere. They were basically sellers of everyone at the trade deadline, even though they didn't do anything. They're, it seems like they don't have an identity now that Brady is not there. He was their identity and he forced everyone to play better. It seemed like, yes, Belichick is one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest of all time. But it seemed like without the greatest quarterback of all time, there's only so much that Belichick is able to do as the greatest coach of all time. I couldn't have said better myself. Castle, you got a point? 
I agree with you guys. I think Brady brought something to the New England football culture that cannot be replaced, something that Belichick cannot fill the void with on his own. I mean, Josh, you made a great point. Who is New England these days? I mean, you brought that – okay, so bringing Cam Newton to the team, I was actually under the impression that Newton was going to have a good season – I was following him during the offseason. He looked like he was in incredible shape. He looked like, I'm not going to say MVP Cam when he was with Carolina, but he looked good. Now, I think his momentum got messed up um, when he got COVID because he has not played the same since. But going back to the point, I think Brady just brought something to that team on the field, in the locker room. He's, He's an incredible competitor easily one of the best competitors in all of sports in, in today's world. And it's unfortunate that, you know, you, it's unfortunate that Belichick couldn't get the job done this year, that he couldn't, you know, bring something new to the team. Um, but at the end of the day, that duo, it, we're shown now that when you break them apart, you get Brady still doing his thing, and then you get Belichick off to the side. It, it's it, in some ways it's disappointing because Patriots fans have invested so much into this team, and now you're probably sitting back and saying, "So this, so th- this is what it comes to." You know, we hype up Belichick. You know, the the guy in the subway commercials. This this is what he is now. Like it, it's disappointing. I mean, I'm not a big Patriots fan, so it's not disappointing for me. But it's just it's very interesting to see. It almost makes you wonder. You know, in other situations, if it's the player, the coach, and these duos that you have. Well, that well, that's it. Um, and it's it's really there's nothing that comes out of New England except for when they had a bunch of COVID tests. I mean, in the past was New England would be talked about every week. You know what Brady did this time, or what Belichick did this time, how they came back, or how bad they beat a team, or what how many wins they now have together what new record they broke now none of that's happening and you know you would have thought like when they first said Jared Stidham was going to be the starter I'm like all right there's no way New England's going to be good and then they brought in Cam Newton a former MVP like you were saying Castle I didn't think he was going to you know obviously win MVP or anything like that but I thought this guy's a veteran he's won before he's done good in this league and he just he seems like he can't even help fix this team and they still have guys like Stefan Gilmore the reigning defensive player of the year and his plays just dropped it just seems like like you said once they lost Brady they almost lost their identity and they just can't regain that and just no one even cares about them anymore and it's just whatever if the Patriots lose the Patriots lose now because you know, I'm Brady. So I, I guess that's a big, that type of impact that Tom Brady had on that team. And oh, Josh, you have a point? Yeah. One thing that I've seen a lot recently that's being brought up and as a Jeff fan, obviously I like seeing this is we all know that Brady was the identity of the team and we all know how weak his receiver receiving core was in recent years and how he's thrilled to be in Tampa. but you look at the drafting by New England in the past years, it's 
terrible just to say the least last year drafting Akil Harry when they could have had DK Metcalf or drafting Sonny Michelle when they could have had whoever was in that running back in that uh, draft class Nick Chubb or I think that was like that was 2018 right yeah yeah I'm trying to think yeah who was it Nick Chubb was like mid-round pick Chubb was part of that class yeah so exactly they it, it goes back to my original point of their they don't have an identity now that Brady's not there yeah, and you look at it like all the past matchups when it was, it was always like Brady versus you know Manning, like Payne or Eli. Brady versus who was never the Patriots versus this team, you know, it was just always Brady versus who. And now without Brady, it's just the Patriots, but the Patriots just can't do it. So it, it's you know we've all been used to just growing up watching football, especially. Josh, you know it firsthand just because the Jets just always had to deal with the Patriots always being on top, not only in the division, in the conference, but just the entire league. So you're saying there's hope on Monday for the Jets to beat the Patriots? You know, I'm not going to – this might be your, your most winnable game. I'm, I'm being completely honest. I, I agree with Steve. I, you know, they, they don't have Edelman. They Cam Newton has not been playing like Cam Newton. I mean, it. I will say, and and this is not, you know, this this ain't a dig at you, Josh, at the Jets, Josh. This is just having not having Williamson definitely hurts because you want to have as many guys as you can. But I definitely think this is the Jets' most winnable game of the season, and um, it'll be a very interesting Monday night. I don't know. It might be so. It might be entertaining because it's going to be such a bad game because both teams are so bad. Or it might just be an awful game just because, like I said, both teams are so bad. Yeah. I mean, as a Jeff fan for this game, I don't actually know if I'm happy or upset. I don't really know where my emotions are for this game because on the one side, we are – in perfect shape to go 0 and 16 as terrible as that is Trevor Lawrence Gase is doing his job leading us to the the 0 and 16 path but it's a division game no one wants to lose to their rivals especially the jet the jets and the patriots i hate losing the patriots they've beaten us for so many years nothing is more embarrassing than losing the patriots especially at home so that it's it's killing me as a Jeff fan for this this Monday. But would you rather for this time? I mean, you, like you said, you already lost them for so many years. Lose them just two more times, secure that zero and sixteen, get Trevor Lawrence, and then just beat them for how many years? You know that Trevor Lawrence is your quarterback. Yeah, I mean, or, or beat them this one time for just some sort of satisfaction possibly lose out on the Trevor Lawrence um, bid and then don't have a franchise quarterback for. Yeah. I mean, that's where it gets tough. Cause essentially if we win, we'll be tied with the terrible teams like the, like the giants and the Falcons who uh, could easily jump ahead of us in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. So it, it makes it very tough. And that's why I said I really don't know where my head's at going into Monday night's uh, Jet game. I think if I were you, I mean, I can't speak for you or for Jets fans, 
But if I were you, I think I would like go for a entertaining game, a well-played game that just like pretty good, but they end up losing, but they play well. You know, it's a close game, blah, 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 but you still lose, so then you're still right there in the lead for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes and then just hope he can bring a whole different, you know, vibe and whole different impact on the Jets that the Jets need. But, Castle, you you know, you mentioned they were without Williamson, Avery Williamson, their linebacker, because he was traded. He was traded uh, the day before the trade deadline. Um, and the trade deadline passed. The trade deadline was Tuesday at 4 o'clock Eastern. And I'm not going to lie, it was just awful because there were so many rumors of big players supposedly on the market, and then just absolutely nothing habit happened. It was so just stagnant, nothing like, I don't know. I just thought there was so much hype, and then it just went, just nothing. Like, nothing happened. It was so frustrating. So... I want to get you guys, like, see how you guys felt about it. If you were kind of glad nothing happened, or if you're mad, or if you just thought a lot more would happen because of the rumors. So, Josh, um, like, you know, Avery Williamson, did you like to trade? Did you want to see the Jets make more trades? Did you want to see more trades? You know, talk to me. Yeah, um, it's funny. I was talking to Alex about the Avery Williamson trade specifically, and Originally, he was confused about it, but as a Jet fan, I loved Avery Williamson, but I think it made sense to get rid of him because clearly we're in a tank. And out of all of the weaknesses that the Jets team has, linebackers is not one of them. We have Blake Cashman right now, who is a stud. He was a rookie last year, and he has basically stepped up and filled in those uh, the big shoes because C.J. Mosley, who opted out this year, Paid him a lot of money before the last year's season started. He'll come back healthy next year as another very good linebacker. So I really am not too upset with the that trade. But overall, you said the trade deadline was terrible. There were so many rumors, and there were no trades. Stephon Gilmore was one of the big rumors. He didn't get traded. Will Fuller to the Packers. That didn't happen. There, there are so many players. It seemed like every team had their targets, and it just seemed like everyone was too afraid to uh, make that call and send a trade over. Castle, you agree? You agree with Josh, or do you have any different uh, views or opinions? No, I, I'm on the same page as Josh. It was a very underwhelming trade deadline. Uh, the Will Fuller trade was going to what appeared to be the biggest trade. I was actually going to really like that for Green Bay. Fuller was going to be another great deep threat for, for Rodgers, but it appeared that the Texans and the Packers couldn't agree on a trade that was worth Fuller's value, which it, it kind of makes you wonder where he was valued. Uh, I, I mean, to me, he's a solid number two receiver. He's a deep threat. I don't really put him at number one, so that was kind of interesting. The one trade that I thought really, really benefited the team um, was the Titans getting Desmond King. He is a huge piece to add to their secondary now. I like the Titans um, 
one of the better teams in the AFC. I really think that's going to help them make a good push against teams like Pittsburgh. Besides that, nothing really, nothing really caught my eye. I was hoping that my Giants were going to trade for Kenny Galladay. That didn't work out, unfortunately. Galladay would have been a great guy to add to our offense. But, yeah, very disappointing at the end. I always like trade deadlines no matter what sports it is. And, yeah, hopefully hopefully, uh, what we didn't get in the trade deadline, we see in the offseason with signings. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, listen, the NFL trade deadline has never been, I would say, as big as like the MLB trade deadline or the NBA trade deadline. Um, a lot of moves that the NFL makes is like in the offseason. But this year, for some reason, there was just, I think maybe, you know, partly because of what the season's like, what everything's going on with COVID and whatever. And then now just how teams are just finding these guys that are coming out of nowhere and making such a big impact that they don't need to have some of the bigger name guys that are going to request and, you know, demand a lot of money that they either can't afford or don't want to pay for. So I don't know. I just was, I was just a little let down because that Monday before, you know, a few trades happened, Quan Alexander to the saints, which I thought was a steal for them. Uh, It was like for like a sixth round pick. And he's, he does get injured here and there, but when healthy, he's a pretty good linebacker. And he was like one of the guys who helped lead the 49ers to the Super Bowl last year. So then you add him to the Saints defense and linebackers to you add him to Demario Davis. Um, so I do like that move. And then like Pittsburgh getting Avery Williamson from the Jets. I thought that was a good move for them because they lost Devin Bush for the year and they're trying to like we've been saying, they're the only undefeated team, so they're trying to make noise and go make a deep run into the playoffs. And then just Tuesday, nothing happened. And I just, like I said, I think values what teams valued, um, like the Packers. I think just they said inside the Packers you know, office, they just could not agree on whether adding Wolf Fuller for like a short-term time would be worth it. I mean, if I'm them, I would say, yes, you're trying to win now. Your team is win now. And, I mean, the goal every year is to win the Super Bowl. If you add them, I think they possibly can become, you know, I mean, they're already like a favorite to win the Super Bowl, but now you add him another weapon, and that that makes a big difference. But they couldn't agree with it. So now if you lose in the playoffs because you couldn't find – you didn't have that one more weapon that you needed that Will Fuller would have been, you can't get, you know, mad at anyone else but themselves because they chose not to. Because um, it really doesn't matter for the Texans because they're, seems like they might go into rebuild mode, you know. Not not entirely because they still have a quarterback, franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson. They still have some key guys. But they were willing to part ways with Will Fuller. And then just like Gilmore, I was reading like he was going to sell his house in New England. So I'm like, oh, he's, he's gone and just nothing. Or even like um, the Giants were supposedly could have traded Golden Tate or even Kevin Zeitler, a lot of linemen. Or I know the Bears, they didn't get one lineman. Our whole like our, basically our entire line is now all backups. Even some of our backups got hurt or one of our backups got COVID. So he's out now. He didn't even add anyone. It didn't have to be a big-name guy, but they didn't even add anyone 
to the trade market. So either teams just want a lot more for what they're worth or teams wanted guys, but maybe the contract that they were on just didn't seem appealing. So I don't know what happened. Um, but I know, I think a lot of people, a lot of football fans, and even I'm sure a lot of the reporters like Adam Schefter, um, were probably shocked and a little disappointed that nothing else, um, came to fruition. So we'll just, you know, basically teams now just have to make moves through free agency or just through their own roster practice squad and just hope that that works. So again, time will only tell. Um, and I guess, you know, we'll do a little, talk a little bit about our teams. Um, there's not too much for talk about the bears because they're just playing awful. I'm just, I'm slowly losing, not losing interest, but, not that I want the season to end. We just need a quarterback. That's all we need. I mean, we need more. We need offensive line help. But we need like one more, one or two more solid offensive line guys, consistent solid guys. But we just need a quarterback. We need a franchise quarterback. That's the only thing that's really holding us back. Because our defense is good. But then our defense starts to play bad because they're just always on the field. They always have to make big stops, which they usually do like 90% of the time. So listen, you know, you, I got to give Nick Foles credit. He led them to the early lead and then we lost the lead and then we were down 10 and then he came back the lead, came back, tied the game, went to overtime. But there's just some place where he just did not look any better than Mitch Trubisky. Now, granted, I think, I mean, Mitch Trubisky ended up getting hurt too on the one play he played, of course, but some of the throws, like his interception. I mean, he's turning the ball over so much more than Mitch did. And it's just like a lot of the throws, too. It's not like our receivers just dropped and went right into the other guy's hand. I mean, the one was right to Marshawn Lattimore. He actually should have thrown two to Marshawn Lattimore, but Marshawn Lattimore dropped it, the second one. And then a lot of the time, and then the sacks. He got sacked like five times. Matt Nagy only blamed him once for one of the sacks. Now, granted, the old line should get blamed. A lot of the times, he should have just rolled out of the pocket a little bit and threw it out of bounds, but instead he tried hold, holding on too long, and that's what happened. So, you know, we're at 5-3 and three now. Back-to-back weeks, we could have gained the first-place lead in the division, and we could almost – I think we could have gained first place in the conference for last week, and then we lost, but then we could have – Packers lost Sunday as well. So we could have used that momentum – you know, not momentum, but we could – that was huge if we won but they lost, so they got to figure it out. And they keep saying that, you know, they they keep saying that they got to figure it out, but they don't. So that's what's just frustrating as a fan. Um, you know, Castle, like we mentioned earlier when talking about the Buccaneers, the Giants played well. I don't – I'm not going to lie. I don't know if Daniel Jones is the future in New York. He seems like he turns the ball over a little too much. But overall, that defense – you had a few more pieces. That defense looks like it can be one of the top units in the next coming years. Absolutely, Steve. Very happy with what I've seen from this defense. Dalvin Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, they are killing it in run defense. I've been very happy with Leonard Williams. Definitely took him a little bit of time, maybe signing him to the bigger deal, to the extension. Maybe that motivated him. Who knows? But he's been great. Peppers stepped it up this week, which I was really happy to see about. Bradbury's been 
continuously good. He was a little little issues with him in this game with penalties, but not every guy is going to, you know, have a flawless week. Um, Blake Martinez is my favorite part of the defense. What an incredible linebacker he's been for us. The dude is a tackling machine, and especially with our defense, which struggles to tackle, having him is a huge piece. Um, but, yeah, going, going off of Daniel Jones, it's very disappointing. I really don't know what the deal is. You know, something that they had talked about was Jason Garrett is trying to emphasize throwing the ball away when he gets pressured in the pocket, and he only did it once. I mean, you look at the two interceptions that he threw, he had opportunities to avoid them. And at this point in his career, he cannot be making those mistakes. Unfortunately, Joe Judge has no desire of benching Jones or trading him anytime soon. So I guess I I guess we all just have to continue and wait and see, but the more I watch him play, the more it's hard for me to see him as a franchise quarterback. However, going into this week's game against the Washington football team, I am optimistic that he will play well. We always bring our A game against Washington. But it's going to be very interesting to see when the end of the season comes and what we see from management, what we see from Judge, and even what Jones has to say about it. Yeah. And, you know, because it, it's, it's, it's tough with Jones because he makes some of those terrible decisions when all he has to do is throw out, you know, just throw it out of bounds, throw it away. Then he tries to force it, and then you saw the two interceptions. But then you saw he led you guys to that last drive to where he almost tied the games and forced it to overtime. Problem is you need consistency as a franchise quarterback. And that's what the Bears don't have. And that's what Daniel Jones. Is he lacks kinda... a lot of it. He lacks a lot of consistency. Yeah. So it'll be interesting going forward. He still has some time, but you know, his job is not as secure as it once was. Um, and we see now teams are not scared, even if they draft a guy in the first round to take another guy that they feel, I mean, the Cardinals really are the ones who really just didn't look how much it paid off, you know, selecting Josh Rosen, didn't really like him. And then just selecting Kyler Murray, number one. And I mean, that's just paid off. Now, Josh, your team's kind of in a similar situation where you just drafted Sam Darnold two years ago. But you're in the you're in the lead to take Trevor Lawrence, like we've been saying on a few episodes now, who's basically the most highly touted quarterback prospect since a guy like Andrew Luck. So, you know, and we kind of were talking, you know, mentioning the Jets earlier, but at this point, are you? I mean, you're kind of used to it, but what do you expect from the Jets week? You know, week to week. Oh man. Um, I, at this point, I just want to see a, some fight out of the team. I don't expect much. I just want to see fight because right now it just looks like a lifeless team that's just on the football field looking like zombies. There, there's no passion. There's no energy. We need one of our leaders to vocalize and be the loud guy to cheer up everyone and be like, listen, we can't keep going out on going out on the field and losing by 30. It's embarrassing. It's pathetic as a fan base. 
I'm sure it's embarrassing as players. So we need someone, whether it's probably a player, whether it's Darnold or Frank Gore or anyone. Yeah, and and I feel for you, but it's just you gotta as a fan you can only do and want so much and then the rest is up to the front office and the coaches and the players and if they don't want it then how is anything gonna happen so you know we don't know what's going behind inside the building we don't know what's happening but there has to be change that comes out of that and you know even if they wait till after the season like whatever if these if this season's a lost season if one year's a lost year to have many good years come in the future i think it'll be worth it but it just you got to hope that this doesn't you know become a trend of where they're this bad because and even for both new york teams and i'm not saying that well i mean the giants only have one win right? one win right castle we remain at one win yeah so it's just it's sad to see both new york teams struggling this bad you know so you want to see a, especially a a market like New York attracts top guys and just have some of the best players in this league. And just right now, both teams aren't really in that spot. So that's enough of our teams. Uh, we can go on more, but we don't want to get too upset about it. But we do have our uh, weekly and our last segment of the show, which is the Stardom Sit Um, You know, I think last week was all right. I think, you know, Le'Veon Bell didn't do too good so that was a good pick for me um i don't know if you guys want to share any picks that either didn't do well that you thought would do good or whatever that you picked the right pick anyone or yeah i definitely uh liked some of my picks um three out of my four were pretty solid like the fulgum stardom was amazing he went off against the cowboys Devonte parker and deandre swift is uh sitems we know how to uh if you guys saw or heard, Tua, they won, but thanks to the defense, Tua threw for less than 100 yards. DeAndre Swift was quiet in that game. I wasn't too hot about my Rashard Higgins. That that Browns offense was just quiet. Yeah, it was, you know, it's tough because sometimes you just think that some guy's going to go off and they just, they don't. So, but let's hear this week's pick, you know. Hopefully these guys that we pick will go off or if we sit them, not that you want to see them do bad, but maybe it'll be the good choice to sit them. So Castle, I'll start off with you. I want to hear uh, who you think fantasy owners should start. All right. Before I get into that, um, just going off of my picks for last week, terms of my stardoms, I was totally off. Carson Wentz had a terrible game. Mike Davis did not do much. However, I was good. I was right on with my sit-ems. Adam Thielen, only 5.7 points, three catches for 27 yards. It was a huge Dalvin Cook day. And for Hunter Henry, I was on with that as well. Only 7.3 points, did not get a touchdown. And I will be looking to replace Hunter Henry. Moving on to this week for my stardoms. It was a little tough to figure out who I wanted to go with, just the matchups. But after looking at everything, it was a little more clear. My first stardom is Arizona's defense. Coming off a bye week, 
home game. Defense is feeling fresh, feeling good. They're going up against Tua. It's his first game on the road as a rookie. He only threw one touchdown last game, 93 yards, didn't even throw for 100 yards. He doesn't even get all the credit for that win. It was the defense that put up points. It was the special teams. So I think this defense is going to take advantage of that. I like Buda Baker. Simmons has been stepping it up. They still got Patrick Peterson. They still got guys on this team that can step up. Chandler Jones. So I like that. Start Arizona's defense if you have them. And my second starter is Falcons tight end Hayden Hurst. I'm a Hayden Hurst fan. Here's why I say start him this week. He's had some, he hasn't been the most consistent tight end, but he's had good games against these defenses that have been lackluster, not that great. Um, One of the big reasons why I'm picking him is because Calvin Ridley might not play this week. He did not practice today. He's suffering that ankle injury, which means that they're going to put a lot more pressure on Julio Jones, which could make Hurst a nice red zone threat. So if you have Hayden Hurst, start him this week. I like those picks, especially that Hayden Hurst pick, because I got Hayden Hurst in uh, one of my leagues, or actually two of my leagues. I think I just picked him up. So, And I've been starting him, and you know what? He's been doing pretty good. He, and he, listen, even if he doesn't catch all of his targets, he gets a good amount of targets. It may not seem like that throughout the game, but you look back, he has almost sometimes close to 10 targets a game. So Matt Ryan definitely you know, looks his way quite a bit during the game. So I do like those picks. Now, Josh? Let's see. Uh, who do you got? Uh, first, I just want to give a shout out, Alex. I really like that uh, Cardinals pick. I'll talk more about that a little later. But going off of my picks, this is tough. But uh, I- I'm gonna make Steve a little happy with the first one. Tear it. Go, go uh, Darnell Mooney. Bears. Oh yeah. Shooter. Oh yeah. I know you. You've been loving him. You've loved what he's produced on the field because I guess he's one of the only bright sides of uh, the Bears team. Looks like right now. The exception of Allen Robinson. Bears offense. The defense is good. The Bears offense. The Bears offense, my correction. But uh, last week, he had a 50-yard uh, pass as well as a touchdown. He's, uh, his workload has gone up each week, and the trust uh, he's been gaining with Nick Foles has increased week after week. And they're going against the Titans this week, and they've allowed 30 or more points in four of the seven games and 27 and one. And then the other two games that they've played allowed 16 points. So this defense is prone to giving up a lot of points and a lot of yards. So I could see Nick Foles and Darnell Mooney uh, trying to torch this uh, Titans defense because Allen Robinson obviously will be getting a lot of attention. And my other stardom is uh, Chargers running back, Justin Jackson. And I also have him in my league. He's uh, one of my flex guys. And last week, he finally broke, broke out, which I've been expecting him to do. Because of Austin Eckler out for the time being, he is the starting running back. He had 89 yards on 17 carries. And if you are in a PPR league, he gets a lot of catches out in the backfield. So this week against Vegas, I think they're a team that, that is prone to giving up those those yards to running backs. So if you have him in a PPR league, he's going to be a very good person to start either at a running back or a flex. 
interesting picks, especially I love that first one. I know I keep saying it, fifth round steal. But listen, you know, both of them are could they both of them have a lot of potential to have great weeks. So um without further ado, I'll I'll say my picks. So my first one for the stardom, I have a quarterback. And the first couple weeks, it would be an easy start because of the past couple weeks against the Jets and Patriots, who are teams that many people thought he should have great games against, didn't. I expect him to have a good week this week, and that is the Bills quarterback, Josh Allen. So even though he's coming off the past couple games that haven't gone too good, even though they won, you know, I think he's looking for that bounce back game. You know, he was an early MVP candidate and MVP favorite. Um, him and Russ were the two that were definitely head to head in that. And now he's kind of fallen off that. So I think he's looking, he's looking for that game to kind of say, listen, you know, I didn't go anywhere. I'm still here. I can still dominate games. I'm still, you know, could be one of the top quarterbacks in this league. And he's going against Seattle. And a lot of times I pick, offensive guys that go against Seattle's defense just because again they're just one of the worst defenses in this league right now granted they're not they weren't coming into the season they weren't as strong but they still they had guys like Jamal Adams um Shaquille Griffin and some other guys but then some guys got hurt like Jamal Adams when their corners went down and I think when their backup safeties went down they did get Carlos Dunlap, but I don't know if he'll be eligible to play this week. Like we were saying, uh, from it's with having to pass like COVID protocols when you get traded or released and then sign. Um, and I think it will be a shootout between him and Russ. I think, you know, Seattle, obviously, we know their offense can score a lot and they can score quick. So if that does happen, then the Bills are going to have to push the field and they have Stefan Diggs to do it with. So I think Josh Allen should have a good game. Um, I think he's looking, like I said, to bounce back and start rolling again. Then my next start is James Robinson, who no one didn't, no one had any idea who he was before the season, but he's slowly, well, not even slowly. He's quickly starting to make a name for himself. He's actually the fifth ranked fantasy back right now. Um, then they don't have Gardner Minshew. So pretty much that means they're going to be a backup and their backup I'm pretty sure is a rookie from the practice squad or whatever. So they're going to be running the ball and they're going against, and it's a pretty favorable matchup since they're going against the Texans D, which is allowing the sixth highest running back fantasy points per game. So with that being said, you know, if they're going to be running the ball a lot, I think, and especially going against the Texans D, which has, Allowing a lot of points per game. I mean, he should he should have a pretty successful day. Um, he's been doing well every week so far. If he doesn't get some yards, he does, if he doesn't get a lot of yards, he at least scores. Um, or sometimes, you know, he might score once, but he also get a lot of yards, and he's a threat receiving and rushing. So I like this kid. I think a lot of people like this kid. So if you have him, I would say start him. Um, so those are all the stardoms. Let's. Let's hear some of the sit-ems. Uh, Framis, I'll let you go first with the sit-ems. Yeah, first, I just wanted to talk about your picks. I really liked, especially the Robinson. I was thinking about that for myself, but you beat me to it, I guess. 
Gardner Minshew is out for the time being, and James Robinson is one of the best players in fantasy right now, and no one really knows who he is unless, you know, fantasy, it seems like. Yeah, I, well, that's why I said it. And it was, I think, Castle, you kind of mentioned something like that. It was tough making picks for this week because of who is on bye now that bye weeks are starting to ramp up. So who's on bye, who's injured, who's on the COVID reserve list. So it was not easy picking guys. So that's why I thought all of our picks were the most favorable, you know, picks for the startup. And now we'll, list, we'll hear the sit So, Josh, I'll let you finish. Okay. Uh, seems like we have a little history of going bold on this show. And uh, I'm no different. Uh, all I got to say is, Castle, watch out because you're going to love this. Be ready for it. First sit him. It's none other than a former Ohio State Buckeye, number 21, Ezekiel Elliott. Ooh. I know a lot of listeners out there questioning, calling me crazy, but hear me out. First, they're playing the Steelers, so I feel like that should say enough. But if you break it down, the Steelers' defense, that the linebackers, their front defensive backs, their tackles, they force so many turnovers, strips, uh, force fumbles, tackles for loss, you name it. They, they shut down Lamar Jackson, who just won MVP. Ezekiel Elliott already has four fumbles himself on the year. He's trying to find holes that don't exist. They have so many injuries on that Cowboys offense. They're also now going to be up to a, starting a fourth or fifth string quarterback, essentially, which means they're going to force Ezekiel Elliott the ball. He's going to try to find holes that aren't there. It's going to be the same results from the past few weeks. He hasn't scored more than 10 points in the past few games since Dak Prescott went down, essentially. Even when Andy Dalton was in, he hasn't done anything. So I don't see anything changing for Ezekiel Elliott. So if you have him, find some, find another running back because I can assure you that running back who will replace Elliott put up more points because he will get shut down. And my second is we're going to talk about Alex Alex's start, stardom for a second. Talked about uh, the Cardinals' defense. Well, I'm sitting to a tag of Eloa. You guys mentioned – Basically, the defense for Miami got all the credit for their win. Yes, Tua got his first career win and his first career start. He threw for under 100 yards. He turned the ball over. He was inconsistent passing. I personally think that they rushed him to start over Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick was hot, and they made the move too soon. Yes, Tua might be healthy even though I sort of question it, and I think he's not fully 100% from last year's uh, Alabama season-ending injury. That's a different story. But I think that he's not comfortable yet with their offense. He faced Aaron Donald last week, and he was in his face the whole game. I don't really think that starting two or really anyone on the Dolphins' offense is a favorable matchup. So... Those are my uh, two sit-ems this week, and I don't think that they will fail. Yeah, I think the Tua pick, you know, it's kind of a – that's a solid pick because, again, it's only his second start. 
even though he led them in quotations, if you put it to a victory last week against the Rams, as we know, that's mainly the defense for that because the defense got what, um, like a punt return for a touchdown and then they got a fumble recovery for a touchdown. So that's 14 points right there. But Tua did throw for one. Like we said, he was held to under 100 yards. Like they got to, they got to try to get more out of Tua. They got to give him more opportunity to try to win the game himself. Um, so, but that might not happen for this week. So I like that pick. And then the Zeke pick, you know, a lot of people might be shocked by it, but you had good reasoning for it. I mean, the matchup itself, even if Dak and everyone was healthy, I just is not the, again, best matchup to going against Pittsburgh defense, especially that rush defense. And then you add the, I mean, we know just from watching the Sunday night game with their backups, they are just lost and they're going to try to force Zeke and nothing's going to be there. So those are good picks, Josh. Castle, what do you got? Before I go into my sit-ums, I have to agree, Josh. Aside from always loving to hear when someone sits a cowboy for the week, um, Zeke's, Zeke's not going to have a good week. Like you said, the offensive line is unhealthy. It's the steel curtain. They haven't been doing well with their backup quarterbacks. It's a no-brainer. Same thing with Tua. Like I said, my stardom goes hand-in-hand with you sitting him. I just don't think it's going to be a good week for him on the road. Getting into my sit-ums, my first uh, sit-em that I have this week, former Jet Robbie Anderson. Um, I've not been happy with him with the Panthers. Um, big reasons for to sit him this week. He only has one touchdown on the season. He's going on the road against the Chiefs, one of the toughest teams to play at home, one of the best teams in the league still. Uh, he hasn't gotten over 15 points in fantasy in three weeks in a row. And considering he's supposed to be Teddy's big deep threat, that's very concerning. And aside from that, Bridgewater himself has not, pl- has not been playing well. You look at his stats for the past few weeks, and it just has been disappointing for what, for what people uh, were expecting, especially fantasy owners. Last week against Atlanta, Atlanta's not a great defense. They're one of the worst in the league. So you'd expect him to do well. It was his first game of the season where he threw less than 200 yards and he only had one touchdown and he had an interception. And it was also one of his worst scoring weeks in fantasy. So combining all those things, I just don't see it being a good week for Robbie Anderson. I would hope that you guys, that you owners would, wouldn't have him at his, as your number one. If you have him at a number two flex, definitely replace him for the week. And my other sit-em, this might be a little biased. You guys can be the judge of that. Um, scary Terry McLaurin, I'm saying bench him this week. I've just been very impressed with my Giants secondary. I mean, they rattled Tom Brady the entire first half, making the special teams do all the work scoring-wise. Um, I'm not super impressed with Kyle Allen. I think he's definitely better for them than Haskins, but – I still think our defense can get to him. And again, like Robbie Anderson, I'd hope you wouldn't have him at a number one. You got him at a number two, same thing. Replace him. I just, even though Washington's going to be at home, I think my boys are going to step it up. Hey, I like those picks too. I mean, I do have Robbie Anderson, so I'm going to have to definitely debate and look into that one. But the Terry McLaurin, you know, he'll probably be shadowed by Bradbury, and Bradbury's been one of the best 
lockdown corners this season. So it's not a good matchup for him, especially since he's like their only Washington's only threat on offense. So yeah, we'll have to see how it does. But um, you know, I think I can share mine, right? And I think my mine mine are um, pretty big ones. And the first one is a little bit shady, if you were to call it, because so the first one I'm, I'm I say sit Michael Thomas. Now he's not even fully expected to play. Um, he's still questionable. But he was had um it seemed like he was should have played last week, but then they kind of said no. But I'm even though he's questionable, I think he will play this week. However, he hasn't played since week one. Like I said, he's still kind of dealing with an injury. His ankle is hamstring. And then he off and then he even got in that fight a couple weeks ago. So we don't know where his mindset is at. And then his matchup. Again, it's not a good matchup for him. He's going against the Bucks defense, which is allowing the eighth fewest wide receiver points per game. And like we talked about earlier in the show, the defense, the Buccaneers defense doesn't get enough credit. So I think the Saints, they just been liking to force the ball to Kamara and he like what he's done with the ball. So, you know, if you're the Saints, like they kind of already almost gotten used to this offense without Michael Thomas since he hasn't been playing basically the entire season and even that week one game he did nothing he had like three catches for like like 17 yards it was like really no stats at all so I don't think even if he does play that he'll do anything um that will I don't think he'll have a huge game and then the second one it hurts me to say this but I say sit Jonathan Taylor and I have him. I have him in all my teams, and I, I don't know if I can necessarily afford to sit him, possibly, but if you can't afford to sit him, you got to sit him. Um, he was limited at practice with an ankle injury, um, and which I think is why his production was not there last week. It seemed like it was all Naheem Hines and Wilkins, and he only had like 22 yards last week. Naheem Hines and Wilkins both had touchdowns, and it was just – he seemed like he was not even involved last week at all. So, and if he's dealing with an ankle injury, that's not good. They're not going to, you know, overuse him to make it worse, especially since without Marlon Mack. And then they face a Baltimore defense that has allowed the third fewest fantasy points per game to a running back. So if he's not even a hundred percent and he couldn't do anything last week when both their, the backups went off, then I don't, see him having a big game so I love Jonathan Taylor and I'm not saying that he's you know not gonna be good for the rest of the season but I think for this week it, um you know he's not gonna have some of the weeks that he's had in the past so you know what listen and then uh oh Castle you said uh and then Drew Brees is questionable too yeah so Brees is my starting quarterback in the same league that I have Michael Thomas in so I'm supportive of that sit-em. But, yeah, apparently Breeze has a right shoulder injury and he was limited to practice today. Okay. I mean, I, th- I feel like he will play, but, I mean, even if he plays, he probably won't be 100%. So, yeah, so it's, it's interesting this time right now because there's a lot of players impacted by the injury bug, a lot of players impacted by COVID. So, I mean, even just... For tomorrow's game, 
there's already a lot of guys. The 49ers are going to be missing a lot of guys from injuries and COVID. So it's crazy, but we'll see how everything goes. But uh, that that's going to wrap up the show. Um, you know, we, we, discuss, we discussed a lot today, boys. So a lot of information, especially within the NFL. So listen, make sure to keep following our social media and the handle is at 3P Podcast on Instagram. So, you know, we're constantly updating that and making new posts daily. And continue to listen. We're going to keep producing, so keep listening. Uh, and that's, uh, that's all. So I've been your host, Steve Benazzo, and I've been joined with Alex Castle and Josh Fromowitz. We'll uh, see you next week.